InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Do you complain a lot? And does it do any good? One psychotherapist has some advice on how you can decide when to complain and when to let it slide. Here's InfoTrack's Taryn McCall. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Dr. Guy Winch is a psychotherapist and author of The Squeaky Wheel, Complaining the Right Way. Dr. Winch, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you for having me. So how much do we complain these days? We complain more than ever. I think the amount of complaints that we uh, voice today has gone up steadily over the past 50 years, primarily because we expect more and more out of life, and when we don't get it, when we feel dissatisfied, that triggers the urge to complain. Is complaining on the rise because service and perhaps interpersonal relationships in general are getting worse, or is that just a perception? I think that's just a perception because the customer service field didn't even exist 40 years ago. I mean, there was a complaint box. That was customer service for most companies, and not many people used it. So customer service is improving, but not as fast as our expectations are improving. In other words, there are some companies that provide great customer service and many that provide mediocre customer service and even more that provide poor customer service. But our expectations are set by the best companies. And in terms of our relationships, there's so much more exposure today through talk shows and books and dialogues about what our relationships should look like or how we should communicate. Our expectations there as well are being set um, by these idealistic standards in a way. Some people have a love of tilting at windmills and, and they'll complain at the least little thing or even if they know it won't make a difference. Talk about that from a mental health perspective. Well, most of the people who do that actually complain to the wrong people. In other words, they're not actually tilting at the windmill, they're tilting at something else. They go and tell their friends about everything that they're dissatisfied with, but not the actual companies or the restaurants or the cab drivers or whoever it was that disappointed them. And when we go around in the world feeling frustrated a lot of the time, but feeling powerless at the same time to do anything about that or to change that, that does have an implication for our mental health. I mean, feeling powerless is not something that's great for us. It usually contributes to low self-esteem and depression in many cases. So how do you decide when to complain and when to forget it? I think you should really do it when things are meaningful. I mean, as you said, we have many complaints today, so we do have to sift through and decide which are the ones that are worth pursuing. But those are the ones, I think, which are either very repetitive or they're very salient in our lives. In other words, we're exposed to them on a regular basis or they just really nag at us emotionally and they gnaw at us. Those are the ones we should really address because those are the ones which are echoing and which really can do some kind of damage by that echo. Is there any mental health benefit to just getting something off your chest, even if you know it's not going to get the problem fixed? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a psychologist, and obviously a lot of people come to therapy to vent, to really get things off their chest. But really the active ingredient in venting is not just the act of saying it, because if you were saying it to somebody who didn't speak your language, for example, that wouldn't necessarily feel good. Or when you just mutter to yourself, that doesn't make you necessarily feel much better either. The active ingredient is to say it to somebody who gets it and who reflects back to you that kind of sympathy and understanding of, yeah, I really get how that feels. That's the magic ingredient. That's in many cases what therapists 
the trained to do is to not just listen, but do active listening, really reflect back that, wow, I really understand how annoying or how upsetting or how disappointing that was. So there's a lot of good that can come of venting. I'm not against venting, but we should really choose people to vent to who can reflect that back to us, who can really do that job of conveying that real understanding of how we feel, because that's what's going to make us feel much better after the venting. We're talking with psychotherapist Dr. Guy Winch, author of The Squeaky Wheel, Complaining the Right Way. The first chapter of your book is titled, The Ineffective Squeaker Doesn't Get the Grease. Give us some effective ways to complain. Well, the first thing, as I'm implying, is we really need to complain to the person who has the authority to fix the problem for us. Now, if we're in a restaurant and we're upset with something, most people just voice it to the host or to the cashier who have no authority to do anything and not to the manager of the restaurant. And if it's a company, we should call the customer service hotline, but understand that we're talking to somebody with very limited authority. So it depends what we want to achieve. But if we have, let's say, a dispute about a fee with a cell phone that runs above $25, we probably need to speak to somebody higher up the food chain. And if we are upset with a uh, person, this is something we all do, we're upset with our significant other or our friend, and what we'll do is we'll go and tell all our other friends about how that friend annoyed us, but we won't address it to the friend. So first, we should address our complaints to the person who can actually do something about them. Second, we should really think through what we want to achieve by complaining. What is it we're looking to get out of it? Are we looking for a refund or an apology or a hug? or a makeup in some way. We should really define for ourselves, what am I looking to achieve? Because once we know that, we'll know who to go to and what to ask for. And the third thing is, we should really try and not complain from the point of anger or frustration, which is kind of hard to do, because that's obviously when we feel most like complaining, when we feel really angry or really frustrated. It's just not very productive to do that. So we should really try and complain with cool heads, and say it in a civil and kind way and really be focused on getting the result we want rather than just being right or scoring a point or just venting the frustration. You also write about complaining dangers. What are those? Well, there are all kinds of complaining dangers. Most of them arise because we don't think through what we're trying to do when we complain. So we can complain, for example, in the workplace. A lot of people will complain about certain things to their bosses without thinking through, hmm, is this boss somebody who's really going to be open to that or am I labeling myself as a troublemaker in some kind of way? Sometimes we just complain too much. And the danger there is we can become these chronic complainers because our whole identity can begin to be identified with somebody who just feels frustrated and put upon and victimized. And we can just start to think of ourselves as these sad sacks that bad things always happen to. And you'll actually hear people say, oh, these things always happen to me. That's a really bad self-perception to have. First of all, that's probably not true. You're just oriented towards the negative. But secondly, that's not a good thing for your self-esteem to think that way. Do you have final words of advice on effective complaining? Yes. One of the most important things I found in our complaining psychology was that we have this defeatist mindset in which we are absolutely convinced that if we try to complain effectively, it just won't work because the company's not interested, our spouse doesn't really care about it. We really are convinced that it's not going to work, and so we don't try. So my most important message is really put that assumption aside because if you actually do complain effectively, if it's really important to you, if it's nagging at you, if it's meaningful, you can get the result you want, and it's much easier to do that 
than you might think. And the conversation with your loved one will not be as bad as you think if you use the right techniques. But put aside that negative assumption of, oh, there's no point. There is a point. If it's important for you, then don't let it slide. Dr. Guy Winch, psychotherapist and author of The Squeaky Wheel, Complaining the Right Way. Dr. Winch, where can our listeners find you online? They can find me at guywinch.com. That's G-U-Y-W-I-N-C-H.com. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. And for InfoTrack, I'm Taryn McCall. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.